Please remain standing as you're able out of respect for the word of God as it comes through Moses in the book of Leviticus as he passed on to the people, chapter 19, verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Some years ago, at the height of her work with the poor and the dying in Calcutta, a reporter asked Mother Teresa, just what is it do you see when you work among these people who are so needy? And you may remember Mother Teresa's famous response. She said, when I look at them, I see Jesus in distressing disguise. This morning, I'd like to ask you, when you look at people who are in need, what do you see? What do you see? For some, they see a giant hole in the safety net provided by our government or society. And so they work uh, with their might through their political system to try to close that net as best they can. For others, when they see need, they see people who have been victimized by their own poor decisions or their own moral standards that might not be as high as they ought to be. And so they endeavor to be a part of churches or educational institutions that try to strengthen the moral fabric and the decision-making ability of people in our society. And, And that also is a good use of time. But there are others who, when they see people in need, the very first thing they see is Jesus. This morning, I want to suggest to you that when you see need, the very first thing that you need to see is Jesus. We learned last week that God indeed has a special place for the weak, the poor, the needy, and that in fact we remember from last week that God will measure our community by the strength of our community by how well the weaker members of our community are faring. And so the passage this morning from Moses was a classic example. Moses said, when you come into the promised land, you're going to have grain and you're going to have grapes. But when you harvest them, I want you to leave some for those who are in need. God is very concerned about the welfare of those who are among the weak in our community. I think you should also see Jesus because in his lifetime, while Jesus could be comfortable and did spend some time with people who are well off, The majority of Jesus' time, energy, and ministry is spent with people who are weak, who are poor, who are in need. And so Jesus finds himself surrounded by those who are ill, and he touches them, and they become well. Jesus finds himself followed by many who don't have enough to eat, and so he takes bread and fish and multiplies them to feed those who are hungry. Jesus finds himself one day at a funeral for a young man and that his death will leave his mother a widow and without a child, a son to provide for her. So basically, she will be without any visible means of support in the world. And so Jesus stops the funeral and raises the young man from the dead to restore to this woman a source of support, physical support for her life. Jesus often found himself in ministry to people who were poor and needy. So when you see those who are needy, you need to see Jesus. But the main reason you need to see him is simply this. To put it bluntly, Jesus was poor. Jesus was poor. Came from a poor family. When Jesus was eight days old, Mary and Joseph, according to the law, went up to the temple to to make a sacrifice to uh, redeem the firstborn male in the family. Now, according to the law, they have two choices. One, they can sacrifice a lamb. Number two, if they can't afford a lamb, then they can sacrifice two pigeons. 
Mary and Joseph, you'll recall, sacrificed two pigeons. Later in his ministry, we learn from the Gospel of Luke that Jesus' means of support appears to be a group of women who bankroll his ministry, who support his ministry, one of whom actually works in Herod's household, gives money to support Jesus. One time Jesus cautions would-be followers that birds have nests and foxes have holes, but Jesus has no place to call his own, no place to lay his head. Matthew 12 talks about Jesus and his disciples walking through the fields one day on the Sabbath and they pick grain. And the Pharisees jump down his throat because he's picking grain and working with the grain on the Sabbath. Now notice none of them picked on Jesus for getting grain. It was only the day that he chose. In other words, people, the Pharisees included, knew that Jesus was poor. And so according to Leviticus 19, he could go through the field and he could pick what was left uh, and what was available to feed himself and feed his disciples. But don't take my word for it. Let's hear from Paul himself, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Jesus, he said, who was rich for our sake became poor. When you look at those in need, see Jesus because that's who Jesus was. He was one of the poor. It's a wonderful advertising campaign a couple of years ago to try to get us to think a little bit more responsibly when we drive, be a little more ecological in our thinking. And you'll remember the campaign was something like this, what would Jesus drive? And of course, we were to picture Jesus in some sort of a hybrid or some sort of a vehicle that wouldn't consume much fuel. I want to tell you, Jesus didn't consume in any fuel. He couldn't have afforded a vehicle. Jesus was poor. Public transportation is going to be the best that he and his disciples could come up with in our day. When you see someone in need, you see Jesus because that's who he was when he was on the earth. And so the church has rightly for centuries taught that if you reach out to those who are in need, you are reaching out to Jesus. He said it himself in the 25th chapter of Matthew. Remember he told a story about the end when people are separated into sheep who go with God and the goats who kind of go their own way. And then he tells a story about how that happens and he tells about visiting people who are sick or in prison or clothing people who don't have enough clothes, feeding those who are hungry. And then in verse 40 of chapter 25 of Matthew, he hits you with a punchline. He said, I want to tell you that inasmuch as you've done it to one of the least of these, you have done it to me. Sometime during Thanksgiving and Christmas season, you'll hear this story, so let me just go ahead and tell it to you first. It's an old story from Leo Tolstoy, written in about 1885. It's about Martin the Cobbler. Martin is a hard-working peasant, works hard in the basement of his shop making shoes, but the only view he has is a view through a little window of the street. And I guess it's appropriate because he can see what people are wearing as they walk by his shop in the street. But one day, Martin's father dies, and it creates for Martin a crisis of faith, and he loses faith and kind of drops his belief in God. But a friend talks to him, and a friend convinces him that if he'll just start reading the story of Jesus through the Gospels, he may come to faith again. And Martin does. He comes back to a passionate faith in Jesus Christ. And God is so pleased that God sends an angel to visit Martin. And the angel says, tomorrow, Martin, on Christmas Eve, Jesus will come to visit you. Well, Martin's so excited, he can hardly get to sleep as Christmas Eve uh, is approaching. But he gets up early in the day and starts looking out the window and watching the feet go past to see if he might see the feet of Jesus coming to his door. 
But he notices as he continually looks out, there's one old pair of shoes that's still standing in front of his door. And he recognized that as the feet of Sam. Sam is a poor old soldier, has very little to his name. And as Sam stays there for a long time, he begins to uh, reason with himself and say, I bet the reason Sam's hanging around is he just doesn't have anything to eat. So he goes upstairs and opens the door of his shop and invites Sam in. And sure enough, Sam has had no breakfast. Sam has had no lunch. So Martin busies himself about fixing breakfast and lunch for Sam, the old soldier, sends him on his way. Well, he's a little nervous. He's afraid maybe he missed Jesus while he was diverted with Sam. So he goes back to watching his window in the basement as people go across the street, all sorts of shoes passing by. And then he notices four pair of feet, two larger than the other, one pair larger than the other, three pair in front of his basement window. But what's distinctive about them is they have no shoes and they stay there for a while. So he goes up, stairs, opens the door and it's a mother and her three children, none of them have any shoes. And he thinks to himself, well, I'm a cobbler. I can do something about this. He invites them in, measures their feet, and individually fits each child and the mother with a, with a pair of shoes. And by now, after he's finished this, it's dark, and he can't even see out the window anymore. And he laments that Christmas Eve has come and almost gone, and, well, he never saw Jesus. If only he hadn't spent time with Sam, the soldier. If only he hadn't taken in the woman and her children. He probably would have seen him. Somewhat despondent, he gets ready to go to bed at night. But as is his custom, he opens the Bible and reads. And he happens to be in the 25th chapter of Matthew. And Martin reads to himself these words. Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you have done it unto me. And Martin realizes that, in fact, Jesus has been to see him that day in the form of Sam, the old soldier, and the mother with the three poor children and no shoes. What do you see when you see people who are in need? Do you see Jesus? Why is it that Jesus is so concerned about those who are in need? And I think the answer is because he understood what that need looked like in his life. I'm reminded of a most fascinating man I met 13 years ago. His name is Bill Wilson. Bill's in Brooklyn, New York, and Bill runs a ministry for 20,000 children. Every Saturday night and Sunday morning, bus drivers go to tenement projects in Brooklyn, and they pick up children on the bus, and they bring them to this warehouse, and they teach them the Word of God. During the week, they go visit the children and take canned goods to the children uh, that are living in these, uh, these tenement houses, and they give them food during the week. And for some who they can't bring in, they actually go in like little campers and uh, like pop-up campers and they get to a tenement house and they pop up and they start handing out food and uh, discussing Sunday school material with the children. He was in a question and answer with a group of us pastors in a forum and finally somebody said, Bill, why do you do it? And he said, well, when I was six years old, my mother took me to Central Park and she gave me a sack lunch. She sat me on a bench and she said, now, Bill... I don't want you to move. Just I want you to stay here. And I just want you to know that I love you, but I, I just I can't handle this anymore. And his mother disappeared. Well, his mother had told him to stay there, so he did. He stayed throughout the afternoon. And he never saw her. He stayed throughout the evening. And she didn't come. He stayed on the park bench all night. In the morning, an older man started watching him. And after a while, the older man came up and got his story. And they went to the police department. They looked for Bill's mother. She could not be found after Some days, the older gentleman took Bill home and raised him as his own. Sometime later, Bill became a Christian under that man's 
influence. And sometime after that, he started what is the largest bust ministry in the United States. And when you ask him why he does it, this is what he says. He tells you his story, how his mother left him by himself when he was six years old. And he said, you know, when I drive the bus and I pick up those children, I realize that I'm picking up me. Why does Jesus care so much about the needy? Why does he want to pick them up? Why does he want to help them? If you ask him, he might say, when I pick them up, I'm picking up me. When I feed them, I'm feeding me. When I help them, I'm helping me. But I've got to tell you, friends, there are far too many Jesuses out there in need of help and not enough people to pick them up. So anything you could do? To help Jesus feed and pick up another person? Well, I think that'd be greatly appreciated. Let us now join our hearts together in the closing prayer printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. O Lord, open my eyes and ears that I may know the needs of others. Open my heart to know where I can move in love and faith. May I on this very day be able to do some work of peace for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand for our closing hymn, number 2175, Together We Serve.
on this service Sunday already youth have been upstairs in the west wing preparing sandwiches for fishing under the bridge that leaves uh, uh, following this service to uh, minister to those without homes and you're invited to join them. Others have gone over to Brighton Gardens near here and have uh, sang and uh, interacted with the people over there and you can meet over by the playground and do that uh, following the service this morning. Children have been involved with their parents in Sunday school classes preparing baskets for Operation Christmas Child. Other baskets of uh, goods have been prepared uh, and uh, buckets of love which is be- are being distributed downtown at this moment by people from our church this morning. And you can join in the fun of serving. So I'm going to invite you uh, this morning as you prepare to leave the sanctuary to find a grocery bag at the end of your section of pews. And I would invite you to find that grocery bag as you leave this morning. Place your note of love and care in that bag. And then if you will, find five non-perishable food items here at the front and place them in that bag. And then I'm going to invite you to go through these doors and turn and go to the Christian Life Center where we will place the bags there for storage. The bags will be used uh, in many places across town, including our own Hope Center uh, located right here at our church. And I know the Hope Center this morning could also use help uh, they're right off the kitchen in the Christian Life Center. If you'd like to go see what they do, they can use help in uh, dividing and uh, organizing the food that we have for people in need. So in a moment following the benediction, I invite you to find a place of service. That's why we're stopping early this, mor- uh, this morning. And at the very least, if you could come and help us with this uh, food bag for those in need, get five items, place it in a bag with a note, and if you'll carry it and place it in the Christian Life Center. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you, and may you see the face of Christ in those who are in need, and may they see Christ's face in you. Amen.